Welcome to Is This Scary? This is Phil. This is Zach. This is Shelby. And uh, so this week we're going to be talking about Fear Street 1994, which is the first part in the recent Netflix trilogy. And it's based off of R.L. Stein's young adult horror series that started in 1989. And I think the last one came out a few years ago at this point. Yeah. He took a big break at some point, but there's so many books. We, we, 63, something like that? No, no. We, we, did the, we did the count mm. low lowballing it as 100, 125. Oh. Yeah. Fear mm. <laughs> Street's an interesting project. It was originally created to be released. One movie releases in theaters. A month later, they released the second movie. A month later, they released the third movie. And then this weird thing called the pandemic happened and derailed all of those plans. And I forget the production company, but they were looking to recoup their money. And they eventually made a deal with Netflix. And so instead, in early July, they released each on a Friday, one week apart. So I think it worked out really well because the way it was released, the internet horror community responded very positive to this project, which I was very happy about because I was really pumped for it Mm because I grew up on Goosebumps. I've read a couple of Fear Street novels years and years ago now, and I don't remember them. And I own R.L. Stein's two books he wrote for adults because I'm that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there's anyone in the horror community that hasn't read at least R.L. Stein Goosebumps well, book, probably. I think it would be really hard not to read something that R.L. Stein wrote, because Goosebumps, he created Fear Street, he wrote over in, I think it was Point Horror, which I think was a UK young adult horror series, and he wrote a bunch of books for them, so like, it's one of those things that he got into just huge children's series, mm-hmm. that, yeah, it's he's a formative writer for a ton of horror fans. And, like, Goosebumps is a great entry. He softballs you into horror. And it's perfect. Yeah. No, I, I agree. This trilogy is great. No. It does well. I mean, it's it's a cohesive story for all three movies. And it's together. Small cast. Relatively small cast. And they use mm-hmm. the same actors in each three parts. They do. So that it's like, oh, I don't. they don't have to introduce another character that I don't know. Because if they do gonna die <laughs> or they're just not that important that you're gonna see them okay chill you're gonna know who they are and what they bring to the story and that's it deuces you're not gonna see them again basic premise yeah. of this for 1994 main characters is dina she is the main character is the main the lead yes yes her brother younger brother josh the nerd the great He's like my favorite character. I love him. <laughs> uh, good friends, Kate and Simon. Kate is the cheerleader. Simon is local pharmaceutical dude. I don't know what he does at he's the grocery a store. He's, a gr- he's just a clerk at the grocery store. Yeah. Just, no, clerk. He, just, yeah, what we find out during the course of the movie, like Phil said, literally, he's probably a cashier at the grocery yeah. store. Yep. <laughs> Stock shelves, you know. Yeah. Everyone's he, like he, high school, high school job. job. Mm-hmm. Because uh, compared to yeah, Dina, Kate, and Simon are all, as far as we can tell, juniors, and Josh is a freshman. Yeah, that's and what then, the movie seems to set up. And then you have Sam. And we have Sam. We are trying to go spoiler free, so we're not going to mention Sam a whole lot. Yeah. Um, also, you have Sheriff Nick Good. Yes, those are the most important characters. Mm-hmm. Other than I think Martin, which he's a side character for the first two parts, but then he's a bigger character in part three. But other than that, he's Does he not even really... show up in the second? Part? I don't think he shows up in the second part. Because Martin's a background character in the first movie. Yeah. If you do see him, he's uh, you see him on the TV being interviewed, like old interviews. 
But other than that, he's not important right. until part three. Yeah, and we'll which, get there. Yeah, but the main characters are Josh, Kate, Simon, Dina, and Sam. Yes, so you have a small tight knit, and then, uh, as we mentioned before, so Sheriff Good, we'll talk about him a little bit real quick. Right, so he's the sheriff of Sunnyvale, but he's also called the king of Sunnyvale mm-hmm. at the same time, yeah. which is interesting. And then, yeah, his, forget if it's his older or younger brother, it's not important, but his brother's the mayor. Yeah. Who seems kind of ineffective. It was his younger brother. And all of our mains, save Sam, live in Shadyside. Yes. Shadyside is literally murder capital of the world. Yeah. It, it is. is the worst place to live. The most spree killers in history have come from this town, mm-hmm. in this universe. Mm-hmm. For those who read comics uh, and have read the Nailbiter series, think Buckaroo. Yep. Buckaroo, Oregon. Yeah. Hear me out. And I like the way that they show the differences, not just like, oh, this town has a lot of mass murders or might have a lot of like tension like between like football teams and stuff like that. No, they show it by, I love that sequence where they're on the bus going from Shadyside to Sunnyvale. Right. And you see the music is just very like, very depressing. All the yeah, businesses that are shut down. You got all the houses that just... It's small town America. It's yeah. very it old. Yeah, it's very older mm-hmm. small town middle America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as soon as you get into Sunnyvale, it is it's like... Big mansions it's big It's big mansions. Very, very Salem like high class Salem or like New New Orleans, um, music completely changes. Yards are a lot bigger and cleaner. I love what they did with that, and just shows how it was really good visual storytelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And supposedly the towns are only like thirty minutes or so apart, but they're all within the same land, which we understand what that means in part three. But long history of a lot of, I guess, camaraderie. Against the two towns, mm, I don't think that's rivalry, the right rivalry, tension. Tension. tension and rivalry. Yeah, yeah. camaraderie would be more positive. Yeah, not, I couldn't think of the correct word. Not having a fight at a visual, mm-hmm. right? Because it was sorry. Because it's just been shown that there's Sunnyvale's been looking down on Shady Side as long as anyone can remember. I mean, with a name like Sunnyville, and Vale, Vale, sorry, and a na- name like Shady Side, what, which one was gonna look down at the other? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's in and, the name. And then we, we try not to, but uh, on the sign out of town, someone has painted over shady side with a poopy side. I'll let y'all fill that in. <laughs> implication, implication. But as we get into it, the movie opens in one of the most important settings, any 1990s teenager. The mall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the first mall time rats. I saw the mall, I was like, oh. Stranger Things Part Three. Yeah, see the Starcourt Mall. Yeah, and ta- uh, Taylor and I were saying the same thing when we were when we watched it together. <laughs> it looked very similar well, to Starcourt Mall. But that's a, okay. So as a '90s kid, that's how malls looked. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of neon mm-hmm. and stuff like that. There was always that big central fountain. Some of them did have the weird misplaced tree. It was great. Yeah. And one of the things that hit me hard. Because I remember when there were a bunch of chain bookstores and one of the local malls when I was growing up had a B. Dalton. I was like, I miss you so much. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This opening scene is literally almost shot for shot the original Scream. They do go for that. They do reproduce that. Mm -hmm. Because just on the off chance you haven't seen it or read who's in it, we're going to, the character Heather Mm -hmm. is introduced 
and she seems like she could be our main character. And we follow Heather for a little while. Mm-hmm. Her yeah. boyfriend, Ryan. Ryan Torres. Not boyfriend, but... so Fellow Ryan mall Tor- rat. Fellow mall worker. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Ryan works at Spencer's Gifts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's just trying to get a ride home from him. Mm-hmm. Because apparently... That a ride looked- to a party or something is what she, was what she was saying. But that's well, irrelevant. Yeah. But it's it seems like he gives her a ride after work pretty yeah. often. And they he was surprised to see her... Closing, though, because that's apparently not her normal shift. Because right. somebody called out. Was that Ryan and Heather flirt a little bit? Yeah. Kind of, sort of. And then... if Like, heavy on the kind of. And then one scene I really liked, though, is when Ryan's walking away, and you can hear somebody whisper his name. And then... Because we're going to talk about it, because this is given away really quick. And then there's a fly that lands on his face. Mm-hmm. And that's just a really good scene. And then Ryan disappears while she goes and... Closes. Closes. The bookshop. Yeah. yeah. And I like the whole setup. It's just, okay, book drops. Literally, well, as she's closing up, book drop, right. book drop, and book drop. An important thing that happens before all the book drops is she can't get the security gate to close completely. Mm-hmm. There's still just enough that someone could probably wiggle underneath. And then, yeah, all the book drops happen, and we see, for the first time, the Skull Mask Killer. Yes. And Which, this was one of the ones where they do a straight homage to Fear Street. Because there's one of the, one of R.L. Stein's books is Halloween Night 2. And there are what looks like three teenage guys in the exact outfit that he's wearing. Mm-hmm. So that was one. They they were going to have to give a heavy nod somewhere. Yeah. And even the way that the killer moves and walks is like straight up scream too. It's, oh, it's very ghost face. Yes, very ghost face. I oh, mean, yeah. he's kind of all over the place. But at the same time, he's also not, he's not like running into things. Like he could see very well. He's not, yes. he's not like Ghostface where he's bumping into things. Like, he doesn't make mistakes, which I like about him. It's other than the, the blow-up doll in the closet <laughs> in, the, in the changing room. I was like, okay, but other than that, he does not make mistakes, which I liked. Yeah, he was a smart yeah. killer. Yes, especially when he, he was able to sneak up on her. Literally, he, he, he's right there, and she walks right in front of him. Okay, that scene is great where... It looks like he's going to get the kill and she's holding a book. Yeah. Yeah. That was so cool. The end of that scene, I mean, it's straight slow motion. He's chasing her. And the slow-mo is also straight out of screen. Yes. Slow motion. He's chasing her. She gets stabbed right in the middle of the mall, the courtyard, or the food court. And he gets demasked. And then you have her. She's shocked. Yeah. And like, what? Ryan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Begging for her life and everything. Then right here is right after she rips off the mask. It's when the movie gives you the first brutal kill because mm-hmm. he slams that thing to the hilt. Oh yeah, in her chest, mm-hmm. she's dead. Yeah, There's but she. <laughs> he he should have kept that going, <laughs> and we'll mention that later. It's like okay, you learned stab him in the chest, not the gut, not the stomach. We will talk about how this movie treats gut wounds later, because it's very unrealistic. Maybe but... it was for him getting shot in the head. He got confused. Maybe. Now he doesn't know. But yeah, so, and then the introduction to Sheriff Good is him. Great shot with a pistol from a distance, by the way, but he gets him, like, dead center between yeah. the eyes. Yeah. yeah. And the reason why Good shows up is because... She called during, the cops. She called the cops in the Spencer store, and... She wasn't able to say anything, but they still sent the cops anyway. And this oh, yeah. is a small town. They only have, what, two deputies? Well, and it's the... And, and it's the, the sunny... Well, right, but it's also the Sunnyvale Mall. It's not the Shadyside Mall. It's like he could 
show up immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because obviously Shady Side can't afford to maintain them all. Exactly. Of course. <laughs> of course. But then it leads us right into the main character, which is Dina and Josh. As she's listening to music, upset about uh, her past relationship. Yeah. Yes. She is like straight runge. I yes. hate everything. The world is doomed. You mean the Nihilist 90s produced a Nihilist? Exactly. Didn't see that coming. Doom. Alright, sorry. Doom, doom. Doom, doom, doom. Sorry. Had to throw the Invaders in reference mm-hmm. in there. But, no, nah, she's like a bunch of kids, like the older kids I knew at that time. Yeah, there were a lot of them were very, very negative. And it was just a product of the times. Yeah. Because the 80s boom faded. And on top of that, the reason why she, there's many reasons why she can also be that in her personal life. Right. She has, she's going through a breakup, but also at the same time, she's having to take care of her younger brother because her father is not really around that much because he has multiple jobs and he's a drunk, which we never see him. We don't see him Which I like that. But. You don't need to have him. That's actually the lack of parents is actually an homage to Fear Street and Point Horror Mm -hmm. because in both of those young adult horror series mm-hmm. have a distinct lack of responsible adults yes i also got very <laughs> hints of it to it as well because of carrie being cursed all these things are happening to children parents don't react to any or the parents just turn a blind eye to it that's what i had i had that feeling i was like there's not really many adults around here I was like, if you do the really the math for it, Sheriff Good is not that old. He's only like in his thirties. Other than that, no. he did the math. He's in his late twenties. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. And, and the only other, the only real adult adults you see would be at the hospital and uh, Sam's, Sam's mom. mom. Sam's mom. Up. Other than that, not yeah. any adults, which I like that because they're they're not really needed. They don't not for the story points. Mm-hmm. You, what would a worried parent? Had. Right. It'd just be extra runtime that the movie didn't need. Good fluff. So after that is when we get to meet at least the two other main characters. Because she drags her little brother to the mall, not to the no. mall, to the school. My to bad. School. Yeah. I right, because he's okay. So, and how we're introduced to Josh is he is on a in a very sophisticated 1994 AOL chat room, one that I'm pretty sure didn't exist in that format at the time, which is whatever. They needed him to be the nerd. nerd. Yeah. And living in the early internet era, as steeped as we are in technology now, is very, it's hard to replicate yeah. what it was actually like at the time. So mm-hmm. that's an anachronism I'm definitely willing to forgive. It's not that big of a deal. Josh is my favorite character out of the bunch. Oh, Josh I- is great because Josh is a hardcore uh, town historian on the darker sides Side. of their history. And it's great. He's got your every. Riller cops. Uh, wall of yes, webs. Oh, and wall of yarn. Well, uh-huh. What I really liked about him, well, was the the music that was playing while he was being introduced. When you first see him, it's Fear of the Dark by uh, Iron Maiden. And well, yeah, it's a metalhead. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's also the also like while we, this is playing, you're watching him type out and talk to other people online about the killers and the town lore of a witch and all of that stuff. You see all this, and I just feel like it correlates real well, mm-hmm. specifically with that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that song, for those who haven't heard, isn't very heavy. It's not very in-your-face. It's very somber. It's very low for the majority of the song. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, and then 
if they're at school. Yeah. I mean, everybody is reacting differently to the murder. Who was a member of that high school. She was probably a senior. Heather. And she was popular. Yeah, yeah, she was popular. So people are leaving messages. People are also making a joke out of it. So yeah, uh, Dina knocks on her locker to get people away from it. And then you have the Luton's bus of a guy walking up behind her with a knife. And then you think he's going to go for it. But no, he's just starts scratching into the dead girl's uh, locker. Yeah, Heather's locker. Heather's locker. Mm-hmm. Uh, RIP and all that fun stuff. So mm-hmm. it was a good kind of... Good kind of it was uh, a good fake out. Fake yeah. out, yeah. Words, I'm good with them today. And then immediately after that, you get another scream homage of the dead body with a noose, with a knife sticking out mm-hmm. of a chest being drugged down the hallway. Yeah, it's the same that's, thing. That's like a scene for scene recreation. Right after that, we get Josh walking up to Kate. Her name, Kate for the first time, and it shows off more of his nerd cred because Josh's personal prayer totem of power, if you will, is the Konami code. And he <laughs> repeatedly mutters it under his breath all throughout the movie whenever he... he extra he, lives. <laughs> whenever he needs a boost. He's like, oh, I gotta... I gotta. Up, up, dun, dun. Yep. Yeah, Kate's dun, like the, the pretty teenager. But she's also, like, a badass, too. She is a badass because after Kate passes down, she grabs Dina and pulls her into the girls' bathroom. That's when we meet Simon, because Simon's mm-hmm. waiting in the stall for him. And Dina is... Gets promptly called out for being in the woman's bathroom. Well, Simon doesn't care. He's Not the, at all. He's the comic relief. He is the comic oh, relief, yeah, and he does a good job. But Kate's the head cheerleader. She's the valedictorian. She's in... The a, head of every... She's in so many different... There. Yeah. Clubs and extracurriculars. She's also running the local pill ring with Simon. <laughs> <laughs> they are the They're school... They're selling candies. Yes. <laughs> There are these school pharmacists, when, if you when, will. When did you get into the fruit business? <laughs> exactly. Because they're mainly her goal. She wants to get out of some shady side. She's, she's, yeah. doing, she's selling drugs to for college money. Makes sense. I mean, especially as the history of that town. But also what I liked, and it's just thrown out there, when they enter the bathroom and you had the graffiti sprayed. That's the witch graffiti. The witch. Because it, it's kind of just like thrown around that it's a joke. Nobody believes it, because all the lore is so baked into the town. They're like, yeah, "Yeah," because Simon at one point even says, well, Sarah Fear is just someone you talk about to scare the kids. Like, that's how you keep them in line. If you don't don't behave, Sarah Fear will come and steal you in the night. Mm -hmm. It's a joke. Yeah, it's it's a joke even at this point, because Shadyside High, their mascot is is the the witches. witches. And And Sunnyvale is the devils. The devils, which is ridiculous. Yeah, (laughs) it's like, okay. So. It's, but... That's actually one of the things I really appreciate about all three of these movies. They know what they are. Mm-hmm. Tongue is firmly planted in cheek throughout all three of these movies, but it doesn't hurt the product at all. In fact, I think it's it's one of those positives. Not taking itself too seriously yeah. really helps because that's where I'm going to keep bringing it up. But Lord of Tears, that's yeah. where that <laughs> movie failed because it wanted to take itself as this grand cinematic vision of serious horror and it's just like no you made a sh- you made a bad movie man that's all you did you made a bad movie sorry yeah. and it's not yeah. even to that point of like something <laughs> like Candyman, where it's an urban legend it's not even that anymore it's at this point especially now with this this the younger gen- generation of the 90s where it's a joke they probably hadn't 
heard it from their parents. They know chunks of it. Yeah. yeah. To the point where they, they don't really know the nursery rhyme until, like, later on in part one. Right. Like, all yeah. the way yeah. through. Josh fills them in. Yeah. Because he's the, again, he's the nerd. Yeah, he's the nerd. And But I like how they handle the differences of, I guess, the curse. And each film is a little bit different. Well, this, I think... Uh, 94 has my favorite handling of the curse because yes. they keep it super vague and I really appreciated yes. that. And that makes sense because it's like they're not going to pull this out of a hat so quickly because literally in the span, it's like days. It's like, what, three days? No. It's, it's like two. No. Yeah, I guess it's happens, two days. The murder happens, they're yeah. at school. It's two days. That night they go to the football game and then, well, and then you have the, the vigil. Next- but yeah. And then the next day, and then is you have the everything... next day, and then everything. Yeah, it's a two. It's two days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's literally two days of hell. It sucks. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I kind of wish I lived there a little bit. Just hang out with Josh, try to figure out what the mystery is. It's just like, yes. <laughs> so after that, Dina has gotten all of Sam's stuff together in a box, and Dina is going to go confront her ex at the football game because she knows Sam is going to be there. Mm-hmm. So. Even though she quit the band, which is, she puts, she hasn't turned her uniform in yet, so she puts her uniform on one more time so she can get on the bus. And then we have the, like we said, the really good visual and audio storytelling as we travel to Mm -hmm. Sunnyvale. Yeah. And Mayor Good is there. And Sheriff, too. Well, but the, Mayor Good opens the vigil. Yes. You can tell how concerned Sunnyvale is about Shadyside at this point because they're just talking smack. Well, no. The only people from... Sunnyvale that showed up, football team and the cheerleaders. Because it was mandatory. Because <laughs> they, ha- they, they have to be there for the game. None of the other residents show up to be in the stands at all. They'll be like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Some other shady cider went nuts and killed some people. This happens too often for us to care. Yeah. It's easy bait for a fight, which is exactly what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty it sure is. they didn't even have a football game. No, the, yeah. no, they didn't. They, they got, didn't. It got canceled. canceled. Yeah. yeah, it's like okay, no, they can't handle it. Let's because, go home now. Well, that's because all the kids started fighting in the middle of the sheriff's speech, which I don't care how mad and annoyed you get. As a teenager, I would have never had the balls to start a fight when the town sheriff is talking. Right. Oh, but I I can tell you straight up out of the people that I hung out with, uh, and some of the people I knew from high school, it wouldn't have mattered who was on the stage. The president could be standing on the stage if someone was bad, uh, bad talking, you, uh, you or your people or anything like that. Something was gonna happen. It wouldn't matter. Middle of that teenage bravado, mm-hmm. and yeah. that everything is important, especially my image. My image is paramount above all. The town's image. We gotta protect our town. And then, so while all that is going down, Dina has a confrontation with Sam, and they get into it. And then, after the scuffle happens, we're back on the shady side bus, and Kate is riling, riling up, up, which Phil didn't like the scene. Yeah, no, I liked the concept of the scene. The my issue with it is someone who has played football and played football for years. No one's pumping up the team other than the. Uh, there's always that guy on the team that's. That's his job. That's right. what he does. And I it, it's I can't imagine someone else stepping into that role. Also, the bus is not is not supposed to be a mix of band 
cheerleaders and football players. They're not I've, supposed to be on the same bus at the same time. I've seen it one time where the cheerleaders and the football players were on the same bus. The and band you couldn't sit sucks. near any. No. Yeah. I've been in that picture. The it band, sucks. The band would never have been on no, the bus. You have no. To carry the, they have to carry their instruments. There's no way. Well, not to mention the band isn't in the hierarchy. Because you have the, for the guys, you have the football players. And for the girls, you have the cheerleaders. And they're the, they're the top of the pyramid. The band has to be there. That doesn't mean they're cool. Well, I mean, if the <laughs> if the game was in uh, Sunnyvale, why is the uh, band gone? The band the band shouldn't be going. The Sunnyvale band will be there. This, yeah, they're they're playing. The yeah, band stays make... plans for Look, home teams. The head cheerleader gets to ride off the bus because she's a main character. Yep. And the band goes because Dean is a main character yep. and needs yep. a reason to be at the game. Yep. yep. And, all... and by the way, Simon as the mascot. Is, is is Lee is less socially desirable than the band? I gotta say that mascot uniform is the laziest I've ever seen. But Stringy black wig and green really, face paint. Do you think he really cares? No. Oh, absolutely not. Not absolutely not. So I mean, at this point, I mean, there she's riling them up, trying to. We're gonna get revenge. We're gonna kill them. Blah, blah, blah. And Dina's just she's, having a woe is me. She's, she's in the back of the bus listening to, like, the Pixies or some other yeah, she's sad, out. sad 90s band in the back. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Smiths. I don't remember the yeah. song. No, they, so while she's having her moment. She notices a car is speeding up on them. And all the guys in the car, or and everyone in the car is wearing the skull face masks. Except for her ex. Right. So she sees this as... Okay, we're going to play this game. All right. So I'm going to take the cooler. I'm going to open up the door. Hope that the bus driver does not care, which he obviously he didn't oh, care because he didn't stop. This is, yeah, this is another, because I don't know if anyone's ever been on a bus when the back door gets open. But uh, it's, it sounds like a fire alarm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so loud. And this is the pinnacle point because it's like, oh, Kate's like, you're really going to do this? But then at the same time, like, you're really, really going to do this? And, and she it, waits. And it looked like she was just going to try to dump the Gatorade out of the cooler. Mm-hmm. And then what? Yeah. there's a bump or a swerve or no, something. No, her nose starts to bleed. Oh, right. Yeah. And she loses her grip on the cooler. Yeah. And, and it bounces off the beam and it bounces off the car's uh, windshield. And the, and the car goes into the woods and crashes. So as good Samaritans, oh, the yeah, Shady they, Siders, they, no, stop. stop the bus. <laughs> stop the bus. My ex is there. I gotta, I gotta help. <laughs> I tried to kill them, and now I have to help them. Yeah. So this is when we get the first glimpse of the witch. And to try to stay spoiler-free at this point, go see the movie if you don't want us to spoil it. But yes, Sam... Is a girl. It's Dina. Samantha. Samantha. Yes. So Dina and Sam, they were girlfriends. And now they're not anymore. (laughs) So. The car crashes into a big rock. Sam gets out. Her nose starts to bleed. And she's crawling around in this red moss. And she manages to find a 300-year-old grave that is, for some reason, extremely shallow. And puts her hands directly on the bones of Seraphir. Mm-hmm. And then she gets, you know, the screaming face, just a, a big a lot of flash flashes, of yeah. Yeah. memories. A big info dump. 
mm-hmm. that you can't understand. Yeah, it doesn't matter how many times, right. unless you watch the whole thing and get to part three, you're not going to understand what that means. You're just going to get a whole bunch of flashes of some random crazy brunette lady. And she looks a tree. Real, a tree, and, and she looks it. real angry, which is perfect. Exactly. Yeah. I love the moss, though. It's like the it's red everywhere. Moss, <laughs> everywhere. Um, okay, so then we get with her boyfriend gets mad because they crashed the Beamer that his daddy bought him. Yes. Threatens uh, the main cast. Threatens, threatens Dina. Threatens Dina and Simon, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we move to the hospital. Yes. Because they're going to the hospital. Because well, it looks like it looks like Sam is okay, and then she spits up blood and... She gets picked up by an ambulance. Yeah, yeah. she wants to. She, yeah, she wants to check on her ex girlfriend because she, well, right. she's crazy about her. Yeah, that and the uh, skeleton uh, is now following them. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, cool, let's." Uh, right, and yeah. they're thinking it's Peter, so yeah, they she, go to the hospital. They okay. think it's they think it's Sam's current. They do because okay, because Kate is babysitting the neighbor kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she sees the skull mask killer outside. And they immediately jump to think it's the boyfriend, and then they go to the hospital mm-hmm. to confront them. Yeah. Yep. And uh, while Kate's babysitting the skull, fast, skull mass killer, he's actually in the house, like looking through, like the laundry. Oh, you're right. And yep. then just like leaves randomly. So they get together and are like, "Okay, well, let's go to the hospital. Let's confront Sam, but also like check on her to see what's going on because we want to see if she's okay, but also we want to kick Peter's butt." Yeah. And then we meet the best side character ever. We sure do. We meet Betty. Betty. <laughs> this who has creepy, like, older gentleman in pink scrubs. Pink scrubs. And lipstick. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, Betty. fake, like, name tag that was, like, written on well, no, Sharpie. It's, it's his official name tag, and it's got Eddie written on it. He just put the B in front of it. Yes. <laughs> maybe, he, maybe he's transitioned. Never know, but I I love his character. He's great, yeah. and he is the one that's supplying the candy, and that's okay. he's the obvious supplier because yeah. he, he talks he talks to Kate about how be like well the administration started to notice that we've been low on a few colors, mm-hmm. so on a few fruits. It's we we just we have to be careful here. Yeah, and that's how they're able to get access to the hospital without like right because paperwork and stuff. Betty doesn't want to get busted. Makes perfect sense. Exactly. You get you do something for me, I do something for you. Okay. And so Capiche. Yeah, so exactly. Dina goes into Sam's room and confronts her and starts yelling at her because I guess that's what you do when your ex girlfriend almost dies in a car wreck. Mm. You get real mad. I mean, yeah. I've heard I've heard uh yelling helps trauma. Yeah. Physical, emotional, all of it. Just yell at him. Yeah. And she keeps Blaming Peter, blaming Peter, and Sam looks confused as she. But he's been with me all night. Sam is a wreck. I mean, she's conf- she's confused. Like he's been at the same hospital with me the whole time, but also I feel terrible. I'm gonna cough blood up on you. It's just like she's like she looks horrible, and it's then it's like okay, surprise kill, skull face killer, kill. Okay, and <laughs> so Peter comes into the room, and then with an uncharacteristic, yeah. A knife that he didn't have before because it goes through Peter. His knife's not that long. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. It's very. Uh, I'm. I'm pretty sure it's almost like similar shape and size as the the scream knife. And I was like, that thing ain't big enough to go through a football player's chest. 
Uh-uh. Yeah, Peter's not a small guy. No. And it had it was like coming out by like three inches. I was like, ain't no way. But then it's just a complete massacre at the hospital. It's just making the kill count go up even more. Because right. one thing that we didn't mention is how many people get killed at the mall. It was seven people. It was eight. Yeah, it was eight people. And three people were killed at the hospital that we know of. Three on screen. Yeah. So... Well, one off screen, two on screen. Yes. But we see three bodies. Yes. And it's just a, it's just a scramble to get out of the hospital. Where they steal a ambulance. Yes. And they drive to the police station. <laughs> yes, they drive to the police station <laughs> Makes because sense. during the scuffle, Dina sees this face of the uh, Skullface killer. And it's Ryan Torres. It's Ryan Torres. With a sh- with, with a, the gun wound, with the gun wound, right? Yeah, and he's oozing like black goop. Mm-hmm. It's not blood. And she knows <laughs> it's him because she was watching. I think at least two times she was watching the news right. and saw his it's identity crazy. was revealed. Yeah. Okay. And so she's like, "Okay, I'm gonna come to him because right because Sh- Sheriff Good said you could trust me. Come to me if you have anything. If you need anything, come talk to me." Exactly, and he just plays it off like, "Oh, this is a, this is fake. We've been we've been getting scam calls all the time." Blah blah blah. blah. He's not taking it serious, and Dina is just automatically on the fence, just pissed off. She's not, and Sam's just like, "I just want to go home." Well, well no, uh, <laughs> Sheriff Good actually responds fairly quickly to it. Uh, it's his deputy that was just well, sure. derailing anything. He, as soon as she said, oh, it was uh, Aaron Torres again, that's when he sits there and goes, all right, I'll go check it out. And he, he deps out. They get a call from the hospital. Oh, yeah. And the sh- the deputy's going to go to respond, and the sheriff's, I got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The so, uh, call's what uh, legitimizes it. Okay, yeah. my bad. Yeah. yeah. And then... Um, while they're at... While they're... Dina and Sam are in station. Simon has to be. Simon, yes. Yeah, Simon's yeah. going to take a leak while Kate and Josh are talking to each other. And obviously Josh well, is like trying to flirt Kate a little bit and Kate's just talking about candy. You want some drugs? <laughs> and they're also guarding the stolen ambulance. Exactly. Because you got to have your getaway car. Exactly. Stolen ambulance. <laughs> For anybody, I'm pretty sure, because we don't see any of them drive a car. <laughs> so it's like, okay. No, well, no. We know we know Dina drives because she drives them to a uh, School. True. Yeah, I forgot about that. She drives into the hospital and they lose. She loses her keys. That's why they steal the ambulance. Right. Yeah. Whatever. Um, <laughs> which leads to one of my favorite scenes is Simon's taking a leak. He is public urinating because he's he is on the, the police station. Yep. Comedic character has a little quick scare because the the mm-hmm. siren goes off as the sheriff's leaving, and he just sees a pretty girl singing. In on the sidewalk, and he's like, She's so hot, I'm gonna go over and talk to her. Yeah, no, probably not a good idea. And she's she looks she looks wrecked, she's scratched up, and she goes to kill him with a right, straight she's razor. Got a straight razor. And we find out that this is Ruby Lane, who was a killer in the 60s. Yes, and she's got well, she's, she, she's got oh, her, her wrists are slashed, mm-hmm. and She's sitting on the sidewalk, looks all sad, and as Simon walks up to her, she takes out his Achilles tendon. Mm -hmm. He ends up rolling into the middle of the street. She's about to kill him, 
And then Dina with the stolen gun pops her three times, including one straight through the eye. Mm -hmm. And Ruby immediately starts getting back up. Yep. So they book it. Yep. And at that, this is the point where this is Josh's moment. Because he's like, all right, she was singing a song. Makes sense now. It was Ruby Lane. And Simon's like, yep, that was her looking at a picture of a newspaper. Yeah. And he reveals that this town, especially in the last, like, what, 70 years has been, every single decade has had gruesome murders happen by a, a person of shady side. Right. Yeah. And I love, just to get a quick introduction to these killers. Humpty. You get a blurb on, mm-hmm. like, half a dozen of the killers. Yeah. I gotta say, I really like the real quick scene of the little kid wearing the mask and the, uh, with the baseball bat just hitting someone in the head. Oh my God. <laughs> While they're laying in bed. You, it's just like a good like two seconds. He just dunk, dunk, dunk. And I, what I liked about all these killers is they look, it wasn't just like, oh, just a random per. Other than Ruby, everybody had something about when it, what they looked. They, the the boy with the bat was actually a deformed boy. So that's the reason why he had like the baby was, face. Yeah, that was Billy Barker. Yeah, Billy Barker. And then you had the grifter who is tall. He is like seven foot tall. He used to drown drown women in or drown girls in a in a river. He had like one of those almost like pandemic masks, the really pointy ones made out of leather. Um, the milkman milk from the fifties. He was like all burned up. Half of his hair was gone. Ruby Lane. She had her wrist slashed, but okay. also had scratches. Cuts on her face as well. And you have the uh, Camp Nightwing killer. Camp Nightwing, who is traditional, like, baghead Jason from Friday 13th, too. <laughs> but a little bit of a mix. But, um, yeah, just to name a few. But they were all, like, they had a huge kill count. At, le- at least six people. Yeah, they each, all you're right. graphic. So we get an introduction that this town is cursed. And it started with a witch called Seraphine. And by this point, they figure that, well, Sam touched the bones Mm -hmm. and uncovered her. We're going to rebury Seraphir. Mm -hmm. And that should, she'll she'll be resting in peace and everything else. So they drive back out to the crash site. They start digging a hole. Mm -hmm. They're going to throw the body and the chains, which they do find the chains with the lock that has fear carved into it. Yeah. Which is... A great set piece. Yeah. I love it. And for the first time, we meet the Nightwing killer. He shows up. So I love what they did with him. Josh is just <laughs> literally minding his own business. I'm just keep keeping watch. Keep in watch. I'm looking at the woods and all of a sudden, it's like the the scene from Get Out. All of a sudden, just like, <laughs> so, speed running. So this big dude with a formed burlap sack on his head. Carrying a sharp double-headed axe just sprints past him. Out of the dark woods <laughs> and just goes straight for Sam. And it's like, holy crap. Was like so I was and Josh is just like, oh <laughs> <laughs> like I would I would have crapped my pants. <laughs> but I you know I love I, I love that killer. He was he's great. Um and while that's happening, does is it just Nightwing in the woods? Or? Yeah, it's just yes. Nightwing. Is it that, is, that's the third one. That's the, yeah, he's uh, the third killer in, yeah, that shows up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I love what Simon tries to do at this at this point. He's like, oh, we got to 
bury her in a nice way. So it's like, okay, let's take her bones, put, put them it. in a letterman's jacket, and then bury her back where she was because we disturbed her grave and say, I'm sorry. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> the drugs were lit. <laughs> I would have said the same thing. Would have been like, I'm sorry. Okay. And then it... Let's and stop. so, and then we get at that point, it's they figured out that they're after Sam's blood and after... Nightwing jumps him and gets his axe stuck in the side of the car for a second. They book it back to the ambulance and they drive to the school. Yep. So they've figured it out that it's like sh- when blood's in the water when it comes to a shark. I mean, the that's blood, the reference they keep making. Exactly. And they make a lot of references to Jaws they at do. this yeah, point. It's because uh, during the house scene, Simon was watching uh, Shark Week. Was wa- <laughs> yeah, he was watching shark uh, shark documentaries. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, but they make the pl- I think a very smart plan where okay, let's clean each other up. We have our cute teenage makeout moment with all the different groups, but even Simon exactly <laughs> by <with> himself, <laughs> and we're going to set a trap in the school by doing a blood trail that leads to the bathroom, and we're gonna. So they get every cleaning chemical they can find in the school, and they just douse the girls' bathroom. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they get mops with bloody water, and they run three separate trails into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And it confirms all their theories, because Ruby Lane, Skull Mask, and Nightwing all show up. They lock they, the door. They follow the blood the blood trails. They lock the door. They give one more good splash of chemicals and chuck a Zippo at it. Yep. And the bathroom explodes. But I like how the tension is built to that because they're just standing at the door of the bathroom. Well, and we actually left something out. So all the blood trails lead in. Sam is standing in the middle of the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. She goes through one of the air vents. She goes through the vent. Yep. At the right time. And so it goes kaboom. And they're like, oh, yay. No. (laughs) Yeah. They go to check it out. And almost immediately all of the killers just goop back together and reform. Yeah. Yeah, so it's at this point they're like, okay, we're stuck in this school. Obviously, they're unstoppable. And Sam's like, yo, I'll sacrifice myself. Yep, they, and then they, they end up in one of the science labs. Right? And for whatever reason, the science lab houses newspaper archive of the school as opposed to the no, library. No, Josh brought it with him. Oh, he, he, brought, he brought his... Yeah. yeah, he brought his folder okay, of okay. stuff. And he's like, there okay, go. there's got to be... There's got to be a loophole we're missing. And they find that C. Berman survived the Nightwing yep, Massacre. they found a mysterious C. Bergman survived because she died. But yet she was brought back. Right. So it's like... They call her. Yeah, they call her. She to doesn't no answer. And so they're like, okay, next stop, we're going to the grocery store. <laughs> And then Simon goes into all of his things, talking about how his brother overdosed but came back. Mm-hmm. And he goes to this big spiel with, you take pile one, then you take pile two, then you wait five minutes, and you take pile three, and then we'll bring you back with EpiPens. So yeah. it's like, okay, cool. And they get through pile one, pile two, they get interrupted, and Sam pukes up half the pills she's just taken. Yeah. So that's not going to kill her anymore. Yeah. They're stuck in need a... need a new plan. Yeah, they're very... Quickly, everything goes to crap. You got three killers in there, all all th- ready to go. And I think this is a good spot to just leave the rest of it up to the, them watching. Seems like a good it's spot. Fair. So here's my question for everyone: Out of these three killers, 
Which one's your, uh, which one are you most, be most worried about dealing with? Probably Skull Mask. Because he's stealthy. I agree with both of you on that one. Because Because Skull Mask move, both Skull Mask and Nightwing move fast, but Nightwing's obvious about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ruby Lane is a frail, uh, frail woman. I'm not a small, a small guy. I feel like I could handle that situation better. Nightwing is a bull in a china shop. He's easily beaten if you think about it right. Not killed, but avoided. Skull Mask will just appear and stab you in the back. Yeah. I think I like Ruby Lane. Not as the best, but I like Ruby Lane because I can. I look like her. <laughs> I can, I, she's, you could pull that off. I, I've already. Costume. I've already got it. I got I, the costume ready. I'm. I'm good to oh, go. Are you going as Ruby Lane this uh, year? I want to. <laughs> I was like, I need to find like something. Maybe. Maybe at one of the conventions that I'm going to soon. I was like, maybe it's a possibility. I might. I might be able to get it done in time. But now I. I like the concept of her too, and her just like her backstory. We only get a snippet of it, but it. Ask, it posts a lot of questions that I want about her story, but we never really get the answers because they're not really that important. Um, but I, I like her as well. But yeah, I definitely agree. Skullface killer. He's stealthy. He don't make mistakes like Ghostface does. Well, he doesn't make he doesn't miss nearly as much as Nightwing did because no. Nightwing is just because of his the nature of how he moves and everything is kind of sloppy. Right. Oh yeah. He gets his axe stuck in everything. Yes. He gets his, he got it stuck in the car, and then he got it stuck in one of the shelves. Um, so, Zach, do you want to bring up your biggest issue with this movie? It's not necessarily an issue. I just find it to be a little lazy by their research department. There are, we found out there are six anachronistic songs. This movie's taking place in 1994. 1994. Mm. So, there we go. It's got to have a good soundtrack. It does have a good soundtrack, but... So the songs that stood out to me immediately were the Garbages, It's I'm Only Happy When It Rains, 1995. White Zombies, More Human Than Human, 1995. White Town's Your Woman, 96. No, my bad. That was recorded 96, released 97. The Prodigy's Firestarter, also 1997. And then Bush's Machine Head was not released as a single until 1996. But while the album may have come out... In 1994, came out in December. We definitely aren't December in this movie. So we're just, it's it's too early, and while those are all iconic 90s songs, you could have found something that was released. Just, I would have had, as a production, somebody in the production, if I was in that part, I would have had a hard cut off probably like August or September 94. It'd be like nothing released after. They could have done better with paying more homage to the 90s. I don't know, because Heather in the opening scenes, just the way she was dressed, especially with the super chunky sandals, like mm-hmm. that was ultra 90s. Orange Julius. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, I feel like they could have done more. I don't know. I, I, it, comparing that to Stranger Things, where it's like, okay, every two seconds we're going to have an 80s reference. Yeah, but I... I it feel need it. It's too much. It's kind of too much. But I just pointed out six anachronistic songs. The one thing it did perfect for this was '90s needle drops. It needle dropped constantly. Mm-hmm. So actually, <laughs> the one while doing research for this, uh, the anachronistic uh, aspect that I found most interesting was 
the consistency on Josh's uh, computer. His talk about it was fine. Oh, don't you know the internet's expensive? Oh, I'm stealing from the neighbor. All very uh, relevant things for the 90s. However, do you know what's not very 90s? The, uh, the script he's using is straight from 07. Well, and but, the sound effects coming out of his computer were definitely from AOL Instant Messenger, not chat rooms. And as someone who witnessed and used 1990s internet, chat rooms were slow. You did not have that. There was a reason that AOL moved away from chat rooms into Instant Messenger. Instant Messenger gave you the kind of re- the post response that he was getting. Right. Especially a personal computer, too. <laughs> everything everything in 1994 would have been a whole lot slower, but that wouldn't have worked for the scene. Right. Yeah. But yeah, and we were giving that to them anyway. I was just pointing it out. As for anybody that likes 90s slashers, I would recommend this movie mm-hmm. wholeheartedly. Yeah. It's a good movie. In my opinion, the best kill in the entire trilogy happens in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And on that note, we're going to skip horror news for this week because we're running way long. <laughs> um, however, we did run a series of polls recently mm-hmm. for our psychological horror and the others from 2002 starring Nicole Kidman won the poll. So we will acquire that movie and watch it soon. Yes. And what we plan on, we will part two and part three for Fear Street, but we're also going to do a part four to focus a little bit more on R.L. Stein and the books. Right, and there we'll probably do more gushing, which I'm sure we've already done enough of on this episode, mm-hmm. but we'll probably get a little more in-depth on the kills and stuff like that in that exactly. episode. Yeah. yeah. All right, so, well, this is Phil. This is Zach. This is Shelby. Stay spooky.